0: Hello friends, I'm your host Sujai and I welcome you to the 35th episode of the Meet Stargazers podcast. Our guest today joined Mid-Murray Landcare Southern Australia in 2015 and became chairman in 2017. He was the driving force behind the 3200 square kilometer River Murray International Dark Sky Reserve, working for four years with the Mid-Murray Council, Tourism Specialists local residents and experts from the Astronomical Society of Southern Australia to make the reserve a reality. It finally achieved Gold Tier IDA accreditation in October 2019. In recognition of his work to create the reserve, he was made the 2021 Mid-Murray Citizen of the Year. Over the past 25 years, he and his partner have planted some 80,000 trees and bushes on what was a 350-acre sheep paddock at Big Bend, restoring habitat for local wildlife, including many resident wombats. When not admiring the astonishing night sky, he is an award-winning writer and filmmaker. Today he's going to talk to us about stargazing in River Murray Dark Sky Reserve. Without further ado, please join me in welcoming Chris Tugwell. Chris, thanks for taking the time to speak to us, and I'm excited to talk to you about stargazing in River Murray Dark Sky Reserve.
1: No worries, good to be with you.
0: What brought you to Dark Sky Advocacy, and when did you get started?
1: Well. Um, I should probably start by saying that I'm not a scientist. Um, I'm not an astronomer, even. Um, I've worked in the arts, in fact, and, uh, and most of my career has been as a writer. Um, so this came about because my partner and I bought a property on the River Murray um, about 25 years ago. Um, and our plan was to revegetate that property, to plant trees, to put it back to the way it had been in the past. Um, and that's what we've been doing over, over time. And then a few years ago, about five or six years ago, I heard about this idea of um, protecting dark places. And we've always thought that our property and our that region was very dark. But as I said, I'm not a scientist, so I didn't actually know anything about how you go about it or even how you measure the darkness or whether you could measure the darkness. So I was beginning from literally zero. Um, and But I felt that there was something um, valuable, important to do. Um, I got uh, support from the local um, land care group, which is a, um, a, a group that does a lot of work in revegetation and um, uh, restoring habitat across the region, Um, and I spoke to the local council and they were fantastically supportive. Um, And so once I got that backing, I thought I needed to get some um, some people who actually knew what they were talking about and find some experts to help me do it. Um, And I was put in touch with two people, particularly um, Andrew Cool, who is an astronomer, and uh, Martin Lewicki, who runs the uh, planetarium here in um, Adelaide. And um, both of them, uh, (laughs) they wondered um, who on Earth this person was, who was contacted them. You know, he's not a scientist. This is all going to be a waste of time because they tried and they'd had made efforts before um, without success. But I was very fortunate to to get to meet those two people, because Andrew is an expert in measuring the darkness. Um, He's been doing it for a very long time, and he had all the equipment. And um, Martin is an expert in light pollution. And so between the two of them, we made other contacts and put a committee together um, and worked on the application um, over a period of about five years. Uh, And we got our um, accreditation um, in November of 2019. Uh, And then the pandemic hit, so it's still in its very early stages. We sort of feel like we're about sort of two years behind where we should be in developing things. But it has been remarkable how much the community and uh, the local government have supported this. They've been absolutely extraordinary.
0: Have there been any measures? implemented in River Murray Dark Sky Reserve to reduce or limit light pollution?
1: Yes, part of the whole uh, application process for um, um, the gold tier reserve status that we've got is um, we had to get the council to agree to a light management plan, which means that um, street lighting and um, public lighting is over time changed to dark sky compliant lighting. Um, so they had to agree to that. They had to adopt a policy formally um, because they're the the organisation, the sort of legal organisation that controls lighting in the region, um, and also um, they've agreed to that all new development must be dark sky compliant. So. That's sort of two ways of tackling um, any sort of problem lighting. But don't forget, this is a region, it's over 3,500 square kilometres. It's a very big area, but it's a very rural area. And so there aren't a lot of um, lights to deal with. Um, So we we have an advantage um, that uh, there aren't. A lot of um, really problematic areas. The other thing that we're doing is talking to local businesses where we've noticed that they do have um, quite a serious light issue um, and persuading them and talking to them about how they can improve, how they can basically become um, good dark sky citizens, I guess you could say. So we're working with people we're not trying we're trying to to encourage rather than to complain.
0: How is night sky brightness measured?
1: Well i didn't even know you could measure it when i started this. Um, but it's a it's basically using a light meter but um, a special kind of light meter that is um, calibrated um, to record how dark. A region is. It's basically the size of a cigarette packet. It's got a red button on the side, you point it straight up and at the sky above your head, and you press the button, and uh, it gives you a reading. And um, generally, what you do is take three readings and um, average those. Um, and what we did was we did that right across the whole of that three and a half thousand square kilometers um, to get a general sort of sense of how dark the region was, um, and it it proved what we what I thought um, at the beginning, which is it is incredibly dark, um, and there are sometimes um, some people um, in the um, International Dark Sky Association found it um, hard to believe how dark it was, because one of the amazing things about this region is that it's very close to Adelaide. Um, It's a city of um, one one and a half million, 1.7 million people. Um, So there is a lot of light um, in Adelaide. But this is only one and a half hours drive um, due east of the city, and it's incredibly dark. and um and so we have a huge advantage because it's very close to a major major facilities and also uh remarkably dark and um, a very much a regional area so um you measure the darkness with this little box um the other way that you can do it um it, which is a method that Andrew Cool has uh, been developing is using an all Um, excuse me, using an all-sky image, um, which is a photograph that um, is sort of like it takes a picture of the whole of the sky all at once. And then he runs that uh, digital image through a uh, software program, and it analyzes every pixel, and it can tell you the darkness in every part of the sky. And the advantage of that is that It measures it accurately. The problem with the the sky quality meter, the little box with the button on it, is that there's really no record. Uh, You write down the reading and that's it. Um, It doesn't have a memory in it, so you can't go back and check those readings. Um, So you're really relying on trust in that that situation. Whereas with the all-sky image, you can go back to the, photograph and say, yes, actually, it was dark, there was no cloud, um, and so on, you can actually prove that your readings are completely accurate. And so we prefer that method. Um, and um, and we've been using that. The issue that we did have, though, is that there's a darkness scale that goes from zero to 22. And our darkness readings in a lot of places were 21.9 or more um, and in some places actually over 22 and um, the dark sky association had a real problem with those readings because they just couldn't accept that it was that dark They believe that the scale stopped at twenty-two, and there's a lot of debate about that in the scientific community um, about the accuracy of readings at that extreme end. But it certainly is incredibly dark, and those are the two methods that we use. We use the handheld um, box with a button on it, and the all-sky images um, to record the the night sky.
0: What does the figure twenty-one point nine? in your Dark Sky Reserve's logo signify?
1: Well, as I just said, um, we've been doing readings across the, the region and with a Dark Sky Reserve, there's a, a core site that is in the centre of the reserve that is the darkest place of the whole area. And then the, the, the rest of the reserve is sort of like a buffer zone that protects this very dark Place and our core site is called Swan Reach Conservation Park. It's a, um, a government recognized um, national park. Um, it has no buildings in it, it's just a, um, a, a, an area of um, protected land. Um, and um, our readings uh, at Swan Reach Conservation Park were over 21.9 regularly so we decided to use that as our logo because it represents extreme darkness
0: Can one see the Milky Way from River Murray Dark Sky Reserve if yes <laughs> when can one see the Milky Way from River Murray Dark Sky Reserve
1: we have um One fantastic advantage in the Southern Hemisphere, which is that we can see the centre of the Milky Way galaxy from the Southern Hemisphere, which is something you poor northern people can't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the Milky Way is visible all year round. Um, Because it's so dark, we have a peculiar situation here because... There are so many stars, and because it is so extraordinary, it actually makes the sky brighter at night sometimes. So the Milky Way, light the light from the stars of the Milky Way, uh, actually make the night sky brighter sometimes. Um, and that seems pretty hard to believe. But yes, the, the um, Milky Way is visible. We can see the large and the small Magellanic clouds as well, easily visible. Um, and, uh, the, the Milky way, um, which stretches right across the sky is in the, um, aboriginal culture is known as the emu. Um, and the reason for that is that, um, they looked at, they look at the, the stars, they don't do the sort of join the dots astronomy of, you know, Orion and those sorts of things. Um, they can see, um, in in our incredible darkness, we can see the dust clouds of the Milky Way. So we can't. We it's not just a collection of stars or or you know dotted line. So they see in those dust clouds the feathers of an emu's body, and they can see the um, the neck and the and the legs of the emu uh, right across the whole sky, and in. Different times of the year, the emu is in a different position, which indicates uh, what the emus are doing, whether they're breeding or whether they're sitting on the eggs or feeding or whatever. So the emu, the emu which is our Milky Way, is telling them a story all, all year round.
0: Are there any observatories in the region?
1: This is a very rural region, so um, there aren't any observatories yet. Um, there is a commercial observatory that's being built um, at the moment, um, and that is a is a place where people, for example, people who live in Paris, um, can send their telescope to this particular site, um, and it will be set up for them to operate from their iPad or their computer wherever they live around the world. So um, they can be operated via the internet. So they can set them up uh, to take photographs of whatever ever they choose. So that's an, an example of uh, some of the um, businesses that are coming into the region. There is um, a passive radar station, which has just been built, which is a... Um, uh, Satellite tracking station that's just uh, been completed um, in the last uh, few months and uh, and began operating just before Christmas. It's basically to uh, track satellites so that they don't crash into each other. To be able to keep track of the many thousands of satellites that are up in the in the sky at the moment um, and at ever increasing numbers. Um, and it's a passive radar system, so it's uh, what it uses is the radio signals that are in the air already. So it could be a, a commercial radio station or it could be a, your TV programs. All of those signals not only go to your TV, but they go up into the sky as well. And so they use the, those signals and they can they, those signals bounce off the satellites that are going past. And they use the difference in those um, signals to keep track of the um of the satellites um so that's a facility that's been built um we plan to build an observatory ourselves um that's quite a long way down the track because uh, they'll be quite expensive um but definitely that's that's in our vision for um you know for visitors who who want to experience you know seeing the 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 dark sky here it's uh, really very remarkable. But what we've done in the meantime is we've created a series of telescope pads, so people can take their own telescope out to certain areas and set them up, um, so they can uh, they can do their own astronomy.
0: Are there any planetariums in the region?
1: Not yet. We've been working with the local architect to create a concept. Um, Uh, drawings for um, an observatory and planetarium Um, because if we're going to have international visitors here, you know, who've come from um, Japan or United States or Europe, they've come a long way and we can't guarantee that the skies are going to be clear Um, and they've probably got a limited amount of time. So we want to set up a visitor centre and a planetarium so that they can experience the night sky, as as it is here, um, just in case, as a sort of backup, and as a an, a genuine experience. So that's certainly part of our vision for the future. Um, yes, and uh, we've had fantastic support from the local council; they uh, right behind it. And uh, now we just have to convince the um, the state government um, to support it as well.
0: Is there a planetarium in Adelaide?
1: Yes, there is. Um, yes, uh, it's quite a small planetarium, but it's a very good one. Um, and um, uh, that is in constant use. They get school groups going through. Um, and that, as I said, was um, run by uh, Martin Lewicki, our, our colleague. And he makes a point of uh, talking about light pollution at every presentation um, with every group so that they're aware of what um, just uh, being a little bit careless with delights, the difference that can make to uh, to the night sky.
0: Are there any astronomy clubs in the region? The main
1: one is the uh, Astronomical Society of South Australia. It's an organisation that's been going for over 100 years. Um, it includes astronomers and just generally anybody who's interested in the in the stars. So it's a group of like-minded people. They have a a website, um, and they also do um, YouTube presentations because they they often have uh, guest speakers from interstate or overseas. Um, But when the pandemic hit, of course, they couldn't have their um, normal meetings. But what they found was that when they were doing them as YouTube presentations they actually had uh, a much bigger audience. Um, and so they've had um, certain presentations where they've had tens of thousands of people watching um, as it's been um, broadcast on YouTube. Um, and if if any of your um, listeners want to s- learn a bit more about our Dark Sky Reserve, I did a talk for the Astronomical Society in November last year, um, which is on their website. So um, on their YouTube channel, rather. Um, And all you have to do is um, open up YouTube in your browser, um, type in Astronomical Society of South Australia, um, and they have a list of those videos and uh, mine will be um, on that list. So um, you can learn a bit more about how we put the whole thing together.
0: Are there any opportunities for doing nightscape astrophotography in River Murray Sky Reserve?
1: The Astronomical Society has regular members meetings um, inside the reserve. Um, There's a a property that um, our land land care group uh, manages called Meldanda, and um, it's a 100-acre property. Um, It's very dark. Um, and has lots of open space where people can set up their telescopes, and so um, people can come with their own equipment, or um, if they're um, part of the astronomical society, they'll, they can join an astrophotography group, or there's the normal astronomy group. Um, so there are multiple ways that people can experience the night sky and also learn. If they don't know very much, if they're beginners, um, they can get taught by by experts, So there are lots of ways that people can ha- have that experience.
0: Is there a possibility to do nocturnal nature trails in River Murray Dark Sky Reserve?
1: I wasn't quite sure how to answer this because um, I don't want to encourage people to walk out in the darkness because it is really dark and it could be quite dangerous. You could walk into things <laughs> because you simply can't see. Um, There are nature trails at Meldanda, but uh, obviously, you would need to be very careful and probably better to go in a group rather than on your own. Um, And I mentioned earlier, there are telescope pads at various um, places around the reserve um, where where you can camp. You can set up your own um, campsite, set up your own uh, telescope equipment. and we'd encourage people to do that because um, rather than um, it can be quite um, uh, you don't want to camp on your own if you don't not familiar with a place like uh, our reserve uh, it could be quite dangerous. Um, the The river Murray in this region is uh, uh, it's very beautiful. it has um, 30 meter cliffs. Um, down to the water though and uh, so you don't want to go close to the edge if you um, don't know what you're doing so it can be uh, quite tricky so I'd advise people to stay with a group and uh, preferably with somebody who knows their way around.
0: Are there any dark sky friendly B&Bs in River Murray Dark Sky Reserve?
1: There's a whole bunch of ways that you can um, places that you can stay in the reserve um, Along the river, um, there are things we call shacks. These are are small houses. Um, uh, They used to be very sort of temporary kind of buildings um, built with uh, very um, few facilities. Um, But recently people have upgraded them and they've become very much much more upmarket, Um, very comfortable, very uh, beautiful views. Lots of wildlife in the daytime. Uh, really, really wonderful. Um, so there are there are um, a number of um, small towns along the river where you can uh, hire those shacks and um, and stay. There are caravan parks. There are campsites. There are places. There are farm. Um, there are um, farms where you can stay overnight as well. So there's a range of possibilities. Um, There aren't uh, too many sort of luxury places, but um, uh, there are lots of
0: options. Thank you, Chris, for this fascinating discussion on the pristine night skies of River Murray International Dark Sky Reserve. Friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it useful. Chris has shared with us valuable information on stargazing and nightscape astrophotography in River Murray Dark Sky Reserve. You will find useful links and resources in the show notes. If you liked this episode, please consider buying me a coffee. You can find a link to my buy me a coffee page at the bottom of the show notes.